Cartoons, the animated frontier. These are the voyages of the Cellcast podcast. It's continuing mission to explore strange new cartoons, to seek out new animation styles and new creative storytelling methods, to boldly go where so few ever go again. And now, starting this August, a new adventure from the Cellcast podcast. The Cellcast, the animated series. Throughout the month of August, Jacob and Drew will review the animated series Star Trek Lower Decks as it releases on CBS All Access. Join us, because resistance is futile. The Cellcast, the animated series. Every Tuesday on your favorite podcast catcher. New show, same RSS feed. Welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who, well, he just needs to put that thing back where it came from, or so help me, <laughs> Jacob. It wasn't intentional. Come on, man. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Why, thank you. I'd like to introduce our co-host, a man who got himself shaved for bringing a sock back into the world. Welcome, Drew. I'll be more careful next time. You know how hard static cling is to deal with. True. <laughs> anyway, joining us today, we have a very special guest from the Franchise Fatigue podcast. We've got a man who it only takes him five steps to get to work. James. Oh, man, how I wish that were true. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Welcome to the party, Drew. Drew. James. <laughs> See, now yeah, you're doing Drew. the same thing I did with Aaron. Yes. Drew, I'm glad you could join us. Yes, I'm <laughs> glad to be here. Uh, oh, how are you doing, James? Uh, pretty good. Uh, I'm glad to have an excuse to rewatch this movie, so yeah, not doing too bad. So are you curious why I thought of you when I uh, decided that we should put this movie on our list for Halloween month? James, I mean, I'm, I certainly hope I'm not surprised. I, I I like to think that I I plug my my love of this movie online enough to where I'm not going to say I, you I, I hope that this movie and I'm not going to say you didn't, but I may have may not have paid attention to it all the time. <laughs> but a couple weeks ago, I was listening to some old episodes of the Retro Rewind podcast. Our fellow. Podcasts yes. over on the Central Geek, Central Geek, Christian Geeks. I'm going to re-say that again. <laughs> over on the Christian Geek Central Network. Yes, and they had rev- they had reviewed this, and they actually read your comment on Monsters Incorporated that said this was your favorite movie or favorite animated fa- favorite animated movie. I think they said. Oh, nice. So yeah, post from long time ago. Oh, okay. So there you go. Yeah, that's the connection. There yeah. we go. There's your connection. Yeah, very good connection. All right. So, Jacob, we have a guest, which means we have questions. Yes, very good w- questions. Will you dispense with the questions, All right. please, sir? All right. So, James, be prepared, my friend. All right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I've got a battery of questions for you for... Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I've got a better question for you regarding animation. All right, All right. so easy one. Oh, uh, favorite two D or three D animation? Between the two. Between the two, yes. Do you prefer two D to three D? Yes, or vice versa. Uh, I I honestly have no preference. I like I've got some favorites across, but I think. I, I honestly think most of my favorites would be 3D, but I don't necessarily know if it's the 3D that makes them my favorite because there's 2D animation that like I would look at something like Hunchback of Notre Dame and say this animation. I knew you were going to bring just that as, one up. <laughs> oh, I love that movie so much. Uh, I have uh, nothing against it, but it's just not my favorite. Honestly, be like I I I, I still haven't watched it. I still haven't seen it. It is on the it is on the list at some point. Yes, it just hasn't it will. come up on my list. Yes, yet. it will. Um, well, hey, right. if you uh, need anybody, <laughs> all right, well, we will keep you in mind. Yes. All right. So, do you recall the first anime movie you ever saw in theaters? Uh, so I can't necessarily recall it, but I know what it is. Okay. Uh, it was the Road to El Dorado. Oh, okay. I, I, I remember. I've seen clips. I, I know the give. It's where the both comes from. That that little gif of them saying that. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I've the, seen the memes. Yes. Yeah. My first memory of animation in theater is Monsters Inc. Actually. Um, oh. oh. Okay. Well, yeah, that's that's so. very poignant. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's get into some meat of matter. All right. So if if you had one animated movie that you, you could only watch for the rest of your life and it could not be Monsters, Inc., mm. what would it be? Well, man, I would go to something like... See, I, I would want to say... Monsters, Inc. has con has competition for my top spot. Okay. I'm starting to think Toy Story 3 might actually be my favorite Pixar movie. Ooh, that uh, is very fair. That is true. Because that movie's a masterpiece, and I'll punch anybody who disagrees. Wow, uh, that is, ow! That hurt, James. I, ow! I would, <laughs> I would say that's probably the second Pixar movie that got me close to crying. Ah, well, it got me way past crying. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm say not going to. Second is because Up, I believe, was made first. Oh, that's true. And that yeah, opening sequence. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm not going to use one of the Toy Stories because I I wouldn't want to watch just one of them. That's a trilogy. So if I so just one, I'm going well, it's to only say. A I just heard you say it's a trilogy, so that must mean you don't like the fourth one. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, no the Andy <laughs> the Andy trilogy is an official term now. So so whenever I say it, oh, I actually the enjoyed Andy four trilogy. Okay, oh, okay, that is very I, fair. I enjoy four. I think four is the weakest of the four, but I still like oh, it. Yeah, I would say that too. Um, so, I, okay, to shorten this, I'm going to say the Lego movie. Ooh, oh, good that one. Is a very good one. That is a good movie. Yeah. I, yeah, we were, we I were absolutely got that. That, that was episode three. That, that was. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. We talk I, over each other all I the time. Absolutely. Oh, well, yeah, me and me and Gabe do it all the time as well. Um, I absolutely love the Lego movie. I think it's so much smarter than it had any right to be. I think the animation is phenomenal. I think the cast is incredible. I 
I, I've seen it like 10 times at this point and I still laugh every time. Like the jokes are just like, there are certain movies that, that really try to take advantage of, of like geek culture or like nostalgia and all of this mm-hmm. stuff. And a lot of the time it feels very surface level. It's like, Oh, just reference this thing. And they'll, they'll laugh at it just by saying it. But Lego movie has, it feels like it was made by people who actually love Legos, who actually love like DC comics and actually like just everything that's being referenced. It's like these references are obscure enough to know that like this is coming from people like us who really do love this and know this and want to put care and quality into it. So I I really love that movie. Especially since the Lego movie had no right to be that good when it was first announced. That is that is true. I rolled my eyes at the the announcement and then I was like, well, I might as well take my my nephew. when When I saw the teaser, I thought, you know, this looks stupid. But I'll still go watch it because if it's a if, if it's a train wreck, it's going to be a glorious one. Yeah. <laughs> and I went in and thought, "Oh my goodness, this is actually blowing me out of the water." Yeah, yeah. I, I my mom and I took my nephew to see it, and he couldn't sit still. And it ended up being us who liked it way more than he did. Like, <laughs> Shut well, up, Aiden! I'm watching happened, the movie. Right? That sounds about right. Yeah. All right. So, what was your favorite cartoon growing up? Oh. To it, there were a lot, because I, I think about this myself a lot, and it's hard to pinpoint one exactly. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say it's the '90s Spider-Man cartoon. Ooh, uh, good one. I watched that pretty regularly, and like that's, I, I got incredibly excited whenever the Raimi movies were coming out because. Mm-hmm. Like any, you know, I didn't read comic books at that point. I ended up reading them later, but at that point, all of my knowledge came from the show, and so like, oh, absolutely, I was, I was the exact same way. Yeah, and so I, everything I knew about like the Scorpion and the Sand, like all, all of these people, like I know these people from this show, and I, yeah, yeah. So that that was probably, even if it's not my very favorite now, although mm-hmm. I don't know, I. I rewatched it with my nephew not that long ago and I think it holds up. So <laughs> there was definitely a point in my life where like that was that was it. That was the show. Okay. Between that Spider-Man cartoon and the X-Men cartoon of the same era, that was my introduction to Marvel Comics and most of my knowledge of the lore what comes from those two cartoons. Mm-hmm. So what's so, funny is yeah, I I completely understand where you're coming from. What's funny is I didn't get into that like the X-Men series that everybody else thinks of that amazing intro. I oh, yeah. came into X I came into X-Men later with X-Men Evolutions and then that was oh, my okay. show. Yeah, that's a right. really good series actually. That's, that's fair too. I mean, I was of the right age when those shows were still on coming on air. So, I that was just part of my Saturday morning cartoon lineup. Yeah. yeah. Also, amazing. shout out to Static Shock cuz that's awesome. Yes. Yes. That static. is one of the most underrated of the DC animated universe in my opinion. Yeah. So speaking of DC animated universe, we cannot forget to mention Batman the animated series and all oh, those follow-ups because that was just mm-hmm. phenomenal. I just I I'm almost completed the four series because I was blessed enough to someone gave me it as a gift. Like the entire all four seasons, and I keep hitting my mic. Uh, all four seasons and ha- almost the entire season of Clone Wars just for free and a bunch mm. of Westerns and amazing films. I'm just like, thank you, Miss Bradley. And oh. so I go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, are, are so was the, the question, what was mine or what is my favorite? 
yeah, what is, I'd be like, let's say, what is your favorite? What is your favorite? Okay. Because if this is current, then it'd be the Clone Wars because that oh, show yeah. is, oh my gosh, so amazing. I still need to finish Clone Wars, but the reason Senior. I have not jumped back into it mm-hmm. is I think that is on our docket for the animated series at some point. Mm-hmm. Speaking of things that made me cry, season seven, man. Ooh, we. <laughs> I, I haven't watched it yet, so. Yeah, not be like, I've watched a little bit of season one, a little sprinkling here and there, but it's just be like, it's an amazing show. Be like, you, I've got you to, to say. Look up the look up the chronological list. Anytime this yeah, comes up, and he's part of that. Yeah, what we okay. what we've what I've since this is the one I'm bringing to the list. Uh, I have I have decided when we start reviewing those episode by episode on the animated series, uh, we are going chronologically. I don't care mm-hmm. how many how this confuses people because mm-hmm. I have tried seasons one through three both directions, and chronologically is the best way to do it. Otherwise, you get too, oh, way too confused. Oh, okay, yeah. awesome. So. What do you think about anime, the Japanese animation? Uh, so there are a handful of series. I think what I'm finding is I tend to enjoy the features more than the series. There are some series that I do really enjoy. I think Cowboy Bebop yes. like, can go toe-to-toe with something like Firefly. I know that's not super controversial. Like A lot okay. of people love Bebop, but yeah. I'm... I count myself in that crowd. I love that show. I've actually just restarted it recently. Yeah. Uh, then, so this is my claim to like my obscure anime show that I recommend uh, called Gungrave. And I think I may have talked to Drew about this at some point. I, I'm vaguely remembering it, but it's not on my uh, it's not on my radar, unfortunately. Gotcha. I think this was actually a video game first, and then it was adapted into an anime, and the anime ended up being way better than the game. Uh, but I like I really, really loved that one. I grew up with like Dragon Ball Z and stuff, and that was oh that yeah, was, was good. Yeah, that was awesome growing who, up. Who from um, our era didn't will grow up watching Dragon Ball Z? <laughs> yeah, or Gundam Wing, or Sailor oh, yeah. Moon, or any one of those shows. That is very uh, true. Or, or in my, or in my case, when Toonami actually started, that was Thundercats, and Thundercats true. was my favorite show growing that up as a kid. True. Does a, the Samurai Jack count? Yeah. Yes, yes, I will count Samurai Jack because I also count Avatar: The Last Airbender, even though it I consider it more of a anime like adjacent. I, I consider it more kind like of. it's. I still consider it in my mind a Western cartoon, but it's very anime esque, and yeah. so I will count that for the purposes of our discussion. Yeah, a lot. It has both. Both those shows have a large, like influences anime influence. within in anime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. anime influences. How clean. Uh, <laughs> so outside of that, I like I said, I've, I've there's not a lot of series beyond that that I found that I just, I really love. I, there's, there's a, a disconnect for me between like a lot of the humor used, but I do find myself really enjoying anime features a lot. Like I, I'm going through some Ghibli and I've really loved everything mm-hmm. I've gone through there. And when we get to what we've been watching, uh, I'll bring up another anime film I got to see in the theater recently that blew oh. me away. Nice. One that's been on our list and would have happened had COVID not happened. Oh, I believe if I've looked at if I if I know the one you're talking about, mm. uh, I'm pretty sure you do. Yeah. So before we jump into that, I will state I don't think we've officially announced this yet, but 
this November, of course, we are doing Ghibli Month again. Mm -hmm. And this month, I'm going to get these four over here so I remember what, exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, this month, th this November, we're doing Kiki's Delivery Service, Porco Rosso, Only Yesterday, and Ocean Waves. For those of you in the stream, these movies. Yep. Not that you can really see them very well from the distance, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Just throwing that out there as a yeah. quick, whatever the word is I'm looking for. All right. So plug. there we go. Nice plug. <laughs> All right. So last and final question, James, what is your most disliked animated movie or, or TV show? Oh man. <sighs> this is the one question I wish I knew ahead of time because I kind of love <laughs> stuff like this. <laughs> Man, I no don't. Person. This is the precise reason why we don't let you know ahead of time. Exactly. We want the raw. I know that there's out there somewhere. There's an animated movie that I just really didn't like, but nothing's coming to mind. Yeah, it's, uh, it's more often than not those movies that you watch mm -hmm. that you don't like, and then a couple of years later you completely forget it. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is what a lot of the time movies I watch and hate do tend to stick with me. So yeah. I'm better whatever's lowest. Isn't something I, I completely hate, uh, but I'm sure there is an answer. If if halfway during the recording I shout just a very mediocre animated movie, it's because I've found it. Okay, okay. okay. We'll, we'll 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 keep I, an ear for I that. Will, if we'll keep an ear ear out, and if I need to, I can edit and <laughs> move stuff around. All right. So that 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 is the end of your your torture segment. <laughs> Almost. Almost. So now we got to get into what we've been watching. And because he is our guest. That's right. He gets to go first. So, yeah. James, what have you been watching? All right. So uh, I have been watching, and this is for uh, Franchise Fatigue. Uh, I just finished the Bourne Identity Trilogy, or I guess the Bourne Trilogy. Uh, we're about to be going into Bourne Legacy and then Jason Bourne. I, I had actually seen Jason or uh, the Born Identity once several years ago, but I remembered almost nothing about it. So I kind of count this as a first watch, and then I watched the the two sequels for the first time recently. Uh, and I'm it's nice to have another trilogy that doesn't just drop the ball in the third film. So I I really did enjoy uh, enjoy all three of those. They're they're kind of they're worthy additions to like the action canon. Um, yeah. And speaking of, of trilogies that don't drop the ball in the third one, I was actually, I'll go ahead and plug another friend's podcast. All right, uh, so I don't know if maybe you or your listeners are familiar with a, a guy named Chad Hawkins. He does the Cinescope podcast. Uh, he lives actually only about 40 minutes from me. So I went down to his place and we had a day of just binging through the Back to the Future trilogy. And all oh. I had seen at that point myself was the first one again. So I we we watched believe. through all three, and I I really ended up loving that trilogy. And again, I it's it's one where you don't have to apologize for the third one. I know sure. a lot of people think it's mediocre or forgettable or whatever. I have a good time with Back to the Future three. So yeah. So I still can't believe you have you it took, you got this far in life and had not seen Back to the Future trilogy all the way. Through. Yeah, it's weird. Zemeckis has like there's a lot of blind spots. With Z Zemeckis for me, I still haven't seen Roger Rabbit. I still oh man, that's seen so good! It is Roger Rabbit's amazing. Roger Rabbit is still one of the most amazing films I've ever watched, just from a technical point of view. Yeah, well, like you said, Zemeckis is an incredible director. Yeah, like 
Like he he doesn't be like one of his first films ever really hit home was uh, Romancing the Stone. That's a good one. That is a really really good one. one. Yeah. And you have Back to the Future, which is a series I love to death. I could quote the entire trilogy if I needed to, mm-hmm. and just be like, "Great Scott!" <laughs> like, "Whoa, this is heavy." <laughs> yeah, like extremely. Yeah, just like it's it's really cool when you when you finally meet someone that has never watched a movie or a series or a trilogy like Back to the Future that has never seen it. It's so really cool to get their perspective. Yeah, and I was really wanting to like all of them so it was a pleasant it was a pleasant moment whenever three ended i'm like okay good i like all of these yeah uh, so outside of that i uh so the movie i referred to earlier uh me and a friend got to go catch akira in the theater oh and now i have to ask do you know if it was the streamlined dub or if it was the i think it's bandai who did the second one i am not sure i definitely don't have an answer to that right now okay Probably it's the Bandai one because that's the one that's the newer one and it does sound better. Mm-hmm. Streamline one is a bit crunchy. Yeah, I mean because it's from the eighties. That, that this is true. came across like every. I mean, I I'm obviously no expert, but it feel it. I was never kind of like put off by the dialogue. Uh, but man, this movie blew me away. Uh, I was already expecting to love it. But the the moment where they he puts on uh, the record and there's like it's going straight into the chase and it's just the animation flying through all the skyscrapers with that synth score like mm-hmm. this this movie was speaking to my soul like I love all of this <laughs> I love Blade Runner I love like just the cyberpunk aesthetic so uh, yeah I I was incredibly impressed by that movie and. It may have actually taken the top spot for me for for anime films, um, so that was great. Outside of that, um, not been a whole. I've been watching uh, the Haunting of Hill House, which I guess is the last like really notable thing. Well, that, well, that and a bunch of other horror films really going on a horror binge that I started in September okay. because one month. October is too short a time to watch scary movies. So I've just, I have incorporated September as October part one and October is October part two. Uh, okay. All right. So, so, so regarding that, be like, you're watching horror right now. What is your favorite horror film as of the moment? Oh, we could be uh, here all day with that question. Well, just one, <laughs> not all, but one, what is that okay. number one that you we'll love even, to death? All right. But that, even that comes with a caveat. Okay. So I don't know if I count, I don't count this as horror myself however enough people do and i like i love this movie so much that the idea that if i don't say this is number one then people will think oh i don't really like that movie i can't have that so if you count jaws <laughs> then jaws is my number one Ooh. because that movie is perfect in every single way it, it, it does have a horror it's aesthetic a, yeah it's got a it's horror-esque but i yeah. mean i can also it's more of a of a, it's a uh, thriller to me thriller, it's a yeah, yeah thriller. exactly but I've seen it on a lot of lists, and so I'm like, well, for. people there are including it, then I'm going to include it, because I don't want yeah. anybody in this world not thinking that I love this movie. Yeah, <laughs> um, people have a tendency to confuse suspense with horror, and it does annoy me, because yeah. I'm not a big, big fan of horror, but I love suspense, and they're, they are two different things. Yeah, like recently, I, yeah, like recently I just uh, watched, uh, for the first time ever, 
watching uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street by Wes Craven. Nice. Just like, oh my gosh. The, the the amount of tension and atmosphere in that film. It's like Freddy, you're, you're, it's because it's almost to me like Freddy is a different character from the beginning to the very end of the film. Like they're, like we're in the course of developing his character, but it was, it was an interesting to be like, you still, he was that, that creepy character. You didn't know who it was, but the end of it, you know who he is. And it's like, oh man, I hope be like, it's just, it's such a good film. I loved it yeah. to death. I, I I'm, I'm saving my first viewing for when y'all force me to watch it for movie of the week. Podcast. All right. <laughs> Yeah. Also, talk about movie whose effects still holds up. Yeah. There are some effects in that film that are mind-blowing. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, So, if but if if Jaws doesn't count, which I don't count it, I've got a toss-up with uh, Hereditary and The Shining. So those are my like full bona fide horror movies. Okay, I haven't seen any one of those, but I'll eventually get around to it because The Shining is just—it's a classic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Plus, we gotta, you got to have some way to make that scene in Ready Player One make sense. Or if not make that, sense, at least be understandable to some degree. Yeah. I didn't understand that entire section of that movie. Yeah, and oddly enough, the writer is doing play, Ready Player Two now. Yeah, that book's coming out soon. I saw that. Uh, I keep I just keep wanting to say Wesley Crusher, but that is not that <laughs> It's not name. Wesley Crusher. Will Wheaton, <laughs> Will Wheaton. Uh, has gotten his I noticed he gotten his script for the audiobook, so that'll be interesting. That will be interesting. Uh, I prefer the movie over the book. Right. So, anything else you've been watching, James, before we go to one of us? Uh, I am always watching stuff, but we would probably be here way too long. <laughs> I've got. <laughs> All right. I, I had a big, long movie day, both Saturday and Sunday, where I literally just sat and watched movies. See, this is why I had no chance <laughs> of meeting you on the 100 movie uh, challenge. Yeah. Because I well, just you don't, said that- I, can't, I can't sit and watch movies that long. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm still not at 100, and we've got people in that group that are like getting to 200 I know now. It. 200, 250. It's like, how do you it's people like, have this kind of time? I know COVID gave you it's a like lot I'm of free time in a lot right of instances, now. but I'm almost to 70. Yeah, I'm in but, like 73, 74. So that's the thing. When I when I joined that group, I thought, oh, this is going to be a snap. I've got two podcasts. I've still got some stuff that's going to be coming up. Right. I should have no problem beating this. I could have this done by October. And then, yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah, then COVID happened. All the movies I planned to watch, they're pushed back. Yeah. Okay. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I will the movie now. Right. So uh, into what I've been watching, if you don't mind me going first. Go for it. Uh, along with, first off, we both watched ca- uh, another episode of Captain Idiot. Yeah. Also known as uh, the irresponsible Captain Tyler. True. That has quickly become my favorite 90s anime at this point. Uh, I think favorite. Because technically Cowboy Bebop still beats it because it's technically 90s. But this is yeah. getting to be a close second. Yeah, it's, It is my it's... second viewing of the series, and I am enjoying it. Plus, uh, we also watched Alien 3, yes. the Movie of the Week podcast. Oy. For hmm. more of my thoughts on that one, check out that episode whenever it releases. I don't know if that's this week or yeah. later. Actually, I don't know what episode he's releasing this week. I really don't. I'm kind of hoping it's Tenet. Because I yeah. wanted, I, that's going to be a, <laughs> we the the edit you did on that is ed- amazing. Yeah, that's interest is weird. Um, speaking also, up, speaking up, yeah, speaking up. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, what were you going to say? No, I'll be like that's going to be in mine. Go oh, ahead. Okay, yeah. Also, I uh, after I got done watching Monsters Incorporated, I got thinking I haven't seen 
Mike's new car. That's short. I had never watched Mike's new car for whatever reason. And so I watched that and I enjoyed that. But that got me thinking, you know what? There's a lot of these Pixar shorts from before this time I've never watched. Okay. So I went all the way back to the adventures of Andre and Wally B, the very first oh, yeah. Pixar animated short back when it was still known as the Lucasfilm uh, computer animation program. Right. And I went through that. I watched, um, what's the next one? Uh, I think Red's Dream, of course, Luxo Jr., you know, the one that the, the mm-hmm. logo is based off of. Yeah. Uh, Jerry's Game, Tin Toy, which gave me nightmares. I can imagine. That that baby is scary as <laughs> heck. Uh, and then I, along with watching, and then I, I watched uh, Knick Knack. And then, of course, I watched uh, For the Birds, which was Monsters, Inc.'s uh, short. Because a lot of these, even if I had seen it, it had been years since I last l- looked at it. Because most of the time when you throw the movie in, I don't even think to look at the short. Yeah. So, and, you know, it's not on the, uh, I mean, it's on Disney Plus, but they don't play it before the movie starts. So, mm. which in my mind is kind of weird. But anyway. Mm. Uh, There's a but, great... They've got a really cool uh, feature on one of their playlists over on the Pixar side. It's Pixar through the years, and they they order. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's the only the only thing is is, the only thing is is Knick Knack is out of is out of order because Knick Knack was made before Toy Story, but because the version on Mm. there is the one I think that released with A Bug's Life, and it's got that little other thing on it. They've got it like after all that for some reason. Okay. But knickknack, I feel is like when the shorts really started getting where I where they're very enjoyable. But yeah, I went through all those. I nearly kept going with Bounden, but I just decided I, that was where I needed to stop for the night. So, and I do remember liking Bounden. So yeah, that's what I've been watching. Uh, what have you been watching, Jacob? All right. So uh, he did mention we did Alien Three. Alien Three. Uh, I watched the extended cut, which was. A mistake from what you told me. (laughs) Which is so different from the uh, theatrical, so I'll have to go back and watch the theatrical at some point. Uh, I watched Tenet in theaters, which was amazing. I thought I was going to watch it by myself, but at the very... Just as things were starting to go, two people walk in, it's like, oh, well... (laughs) But it was it was it's an enjoyable movie. It's it's a Christopher Nolan film that just like any Christopher Nolan. It's a, it's an art piece that just makes you think the entire time. And this is a movie that's like it's like it's timey wimey to use a Doctor Who reference. Don't spoil the episode. I'm not. Okay, okay. I'm not. Relax. Maybe. So. Anyway, anyway, go anyway, on. anyway, um, so interesting story leading up to this. So me and uh, a good friend of ours, Chase, uh, we went to a local restaurant, well, local restaurant, a new barbecue place in town. So we ate, waited in line for nearly 40 minutes, ate, had a great time. Chase was feeling a little bit full. So he drove back to his place. I went to my place, did a few more things, come back, chase them. We're like, man, I'm feeling terrible. Okay, let's go for a walk. So I get on my tennis shoes. He gets on his boots to go walk a mile. 
<laughs> so we get done. And so as usual, let's, Hey, let's pop in an anime. Let's watch an anime. Mm-hmm. So we get on Funimation and we watch. Torado. It's Toradora. Toradora. Thank you. I know. I knew it was going to mispronounce it. It's an odd word. It is an odd word. Toradora. But that was a fun little show. It's it's so much fun. And I we only watched episode one. And I know we rewatched it again with the other guys mm-hmm. for the Bible study. Other guys. We watched it again with one guy. Because only. Uh... It was you and. Yeah, I'd already seen it before. Well, never mind then. Okay, Joseph was the only one I hadn't yeah. seen it yet. <laughs> All right. Not so, not your brother, James. No. Different Joseph. Yeah. Mm. But believe me, they're very easy to not get confused. Hmm. <laughs> but oh yeah, just incredible show. The the fact be like it's the palm type tiger, and it's like, yep, she definitely holds up that one wielding a wooden katana. <laughs> It was anyway. great. Anyways, it was great. Uh, other than that, I watched um, Baby Driver uh, just the other night. That's a good one. That's, mm. It was a really, really good movie. And it actually has a a, 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 a great link into the movie we're reviewing tonight. And so I'll get to that when we get into our review. I think I actually got to see that one in theaters, but it was almost right before it left. Really? So, yeah, that was a good one for him to see in theaters. Yeah. I got to see that uh, is a special event three days before the the big premiere, and and they live streamed an actual like a live Q and A with Edgar Wright after. So that was, nice. that was super cool. Nice. All right, so that brings us to the news. What do we got in the news? All right. Somebody pull up my stiff. All right. All right. So apparently in the news, uh, Disney is refocusing the, a, their AV media effects on developing and producing original content for its streaming servers, such as Disney Plus, as well as its legacy platforms, distributing and commercialization will be streamlined into a single global media and entertainment distribution. Uh, units will be led by blah blah blah. Former blah blah blah. So, Either way, it sounds like they they're not going to be focusing on theaters as much. Well, no, it'd be like this. At least is, that's what it sounded like to me when I read the news story. Yeah, it's just, it, what it sounds like. The Disney Plus they're going to they're going to focus on more original content. Uh, what I learned, they're going to do three animated films a year, three or two years. That could work. Yeah, it's it's it sounds like a good idea. Like even oh, what is it? When a soul comes out, if it comes out in theaters, please, by I, the Lord Jesus, I come out to theaters. Still come out in theaters, even if it's going to Disney Plus. I yeah, will, I will still go to a theater to see it if it's oh. available. Oh yeah, I am still mad about Mulan not getting a theater. Oh my gosh, this. yes. But I did watch it in a movie theater, a home theater. Shush. <laughs> well, if you would have come to the retreat, you said I <laughs> had plans already. I know. I'm just picking on you. Anyway, <laughs> anyways. Where was I? <laughs> Soul. Soul. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Soul will be coming out uh, December 21st, I believe. on, And it will not it's be coming out Christmas Day. That's right. It is coming out Christmas yeah. Day. So it'll be available on Disney Plus and you won't be charged, you know, 30 bucks to go watch it, which I'll appreciate at least that much if I am forced to watch it on Disney Plus. Yes. 
All right, so going into our second bit of news. All right, so this was a movie I was I wanted to go see in theaters, but they only had the sub mm. in theaters. But luckily, it's coming. To th- it's it will be. Well, we'll get into it. All right, one of the most influential characters of anime returns to a new act, new adventure as Lupin the Third, the first. Makes That's his gonna be good. Makes his way to home entertainment this winter, following the inter, the North American theatrical run, including the beloved beloved character in CG for the first time. The film will be released on digital download to own on December fifteenth, and on Blu-ray and DVD combo pack, and a standalone DVD as well as a st- a steel book edition of the Blu-ray combo on July 12th, 2021 by G kids and shop factory. Well, I know what I'm buying for myself for, for my birthday this year. Yeah. Cause that's like right after my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that is, yeah, that's just, I'll, I'll probably want to buy them myself. Yeah. All right. So I, I haven't seen the movie and yet I already know it's going to be good because those loop in the third movies. And I've watched a lot of the show, the, the original show now. Yeah. They are just so much fun to watch and they're just so tight. I know Gabe's a big fan. Yeah. I mean, I, I admittedly, I was introduced to it through uh, the castle of Cagliostro about mm-hmm. a year, uh, about six months before we reviewed it. And I just got hooked and I've gone back, watched through uh, uh, part one of the series, which predates all this and technically has some Miyazaki edited uh, edit, directed episodes. So yeah, I have enjoyed the fool out of it. So I'm looking forward to this movie. All right. I've been looking forward to this movie since I since it was first announced nearly a year ago. Yeah, what watching the uh, the English dub trailer for that was just like, yes, give me more of this. This looks amazing. So I don't too bad though we are not getting Solid Snake reprising the role of Lupin the Third. Ah, uh, because David Hayter did play Lupin the Third in the one we watched. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay, that would be interesting. All right. So our you last. Saw it. Huh? You saw it. That is never mind. <laughs> Misa gets confused sometimes. <laughs> What's new? Whoa, whoa. All right. So getting into our last bit of news. Let me get down to it. All right. So there's a series from the 1980s that is very popular. Almost has an occult following to it. And this, this series has been around for, you know, the 80s. So 30 years, 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. So it had a nice run in the 2000s and apparently they're getting a new season. I know the suspense is killing you. So yes, if you're, if you're a fan of eighties nostalgia, you might want to get on board in this one. And it is called, I'll get to it. (laughs) All right. If you can get to it. Yes. If people will stop bugging me. Not you, but people people here. Either way. All right. Good news comes in small packages. Uh, primarily six small packages. We have dead air. Will you continue <laughs> reading? All right. So I, I couldn't help but not laugh. All right. So for, man, main, for viewers, <laughs> there is just a, a look of, of impatience. It's like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> it's like, get to it, man. All right. So. It has a main cast of little hoof characters. 
As well, things <laughs> I wish I've never said. Move on. Twilight Sparkle Applejacks, Rainbow Dash, Fluttershy, and Pinkie Pie are back for an all new season featuring brand new adorable character design inspired by Japanese Jimmy style animation. My Little Pony Pony Life premieres Saturday, November 7th. Uh, it's 11 30 central on Discovery Family. Uh, produced, uh, it'll also be available on Discovery Family Go, the network's uh, TV mm-hmm. everywhere app. So, yeah, okay, moving on because we're not going to get into that. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. I it is good for people to know, it's yeah, exactly. I'm not going to get into that. Okay, <laughs> I have sworn off ever looking at that front at that property ever again. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, no temptation, no temptation. Shush. <laughs> Shush. Just go on to the next <laughs> one. No, that was it. That was the that was okay. the last bit of news. Okay, so getting into our spoiler-free review of the movie Monsters Incorporated or Monsters Inc. Yes. I don't think I've ever heard what which of those two is the actual title. I've I've always heard people call it both. So uh James, what are your spoiler-free thoughts on this movie? Well, it's pretty perfect. Uh, <laughs> I I really love this movie. Um, I think I'll, I'll try to avoid talking too much about the things that I'm bringing towards our like section. Uh, but I, I think it's genuinely funny, like throughout. And I think it's one of the most inventive and just all around creative premises just in, in animation or live act like regard just in film it's such such a cool idea so yeah i'll i'll wait to elaborate more when we get there but my quick brief thoughts uh without getting into like the plot and, and specific things that I'll talk about more is that it's just a great time start to finish that makes excellent, excellent use of its animation of its really cool premise and all of its cast. All right. Good deal. So Jacob, your thoughts, my thoughts. Uh, well, when this movie came out, it was 2001. That was my senior year in high school. Uh, I still liked animation. I didn't really get a chance to go watch it. Obviously. And theaters, and I remember watching it at home or watching it somewhere, and it really didn't hold my interest. It really didn't because I'm a weird person back yeah, then, I think. Yeah, because I think when I was around that age, I really didn't like little kids. Okay, not liking the little kids, I understand. Yeah, because sometimes they can be annoying. Yeah, you know, that <laughs> I said sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> when like they're not, when they're not your relations, they can be. Yeah, that 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 very quickly changed a couple of years later, but um, but overall, be like I finally was able to watch this film um, a couple of days ago. I actually, downloaded from Disney Plus onto my iPad and watched it there, and I was just like, man, this is a good movie. So this is technically your second viewing of the film. Yeah, this is my second time watching the film, and I've, I've got to say, you didn't like it the first time, but you love it now. Yeah, I'd be like, okay. it's. It's a thir- it's a thoroughly enjoyable film. You know, it's it's wonders of what our nineteen years can do. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The the animation in it, the story itself, it's just, you know, worth gloating over. The monsters invading our world to scare children. <laughs> um, the our, our cast of characters, the the uh, the the plethora of uh, big name stars that got into this film was just whoa. Okay, that was cool. Mm-hmm. All right, so overall, I thoroughly enjoyed the film, and I'll definitely buy it on Blu-ray whenever I get the chance. All right, Drew. So my first viewing of this film, I would have had to have been in high school, probably my freshman year although i think it's actually closer to my sophomore Mm. this was december 2001 december 2001 so yeah i would have had to have been in my sophomore year and by this point i think what little i don't like cartoons thing had just gone and i was back to enjoying pretty much any cartoons and i was able to convince my mom to go you know to drive me into town to watch this movie and this was not in the first, I hate to say the first release, because there were technically two releases. They're just like back to back. The first one just had the end credits like you see on the Disney mm-hmm. Plus release. Yeah. The second one, which is the one I saw originally, has the bloopers yep. along with a musical number. I got to see that. At yeah. the end. And that's the version I first saw. Right. So imagine my disappointment last night when I got to the end of the movie thinking, yep, this has been a great viewing. Okay. Some of the, one of my favorite parts of the movie are coming up. It's these silly little bloopers and that musical. And I go through all the credits and go, where are they? They're gone. (laughs) I am not happy with Pixar at this point. I really thought it was Pixar's fault at first, but then the more I looked at it, I was, no, this is, Pixar may have had a problem with it, but Disney plus used the wrong version of this on their uh, streaming Right now, and they don't even have the uh, the bloopers and the, and the musical as a separate thing and extras like they will sometimes do. Yeah, that's that's almost cruelty. Right that's there. almost wrong. So I had to go to YouTube to find it and watch it because I still wanted my viewing to include this, and uh, I ended up posting that YouTube link onto our Facebook page for anyone yes. else who wanted to see that and was watching the Disney Plus version. Uh, so yeah, I mean that I'm, I will not count that against the movie. That's not the movie's fault, but I'm still disappointed in Disney plus for that, but I still enjoy this movie. It's still a great movie. You sh- if you're, if you're on the fence, go watch this movie. It's a great movie. And great. when you get done here, go watch monsters university as it's kind of a nice, how we got here. Kind of a movie. Kind of a prelude. It's a prequel, technically, and there is some continuity issue, but for the most part, no one noticed that if they're not paying real close attention. Oh, gotcha. I noticed. Oh, I know you noticed. <laughs> I I recognized it when I when that line hit in this movie. So I yeah. I know where that continuity continuity issue is. It. So anyway, that brings us to the end of the spoiler free section. Uh, We will go into our intermission with our plug for the Christian Geek Central Network, and we will catch you on the other side. Ray. Okay. This progress is a part of Christian Greek Central Network. Hey, Scoop. 
What are you doing, man? I don't know. I'm supposed to be reading an ad. <laughs> All right. Hold on. Give me give me it. Okay. <laughs> All right. This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. There you can find a collection of blogs and podcasts working together to bring you some of the best content on the web for Christian geeks, such as POS TOS. I love Star Trek, which is why I hate bad Star Trek. And with those words, I introduce myself, Matt McKinney, a sad little bearded fellow who just wants to talk about Star Trek. The problem is that Star Trek is complicated. Sometimes it's amazing drama with characters that touch your soul and excitement to put the biggest smile on your face. Other times it's unbelievably wretched, wallowing in miserable cliches and Mary Sue's. Of course, being an optimist overall, I know that the only reason these awful tricks bother me is because I've seen it be so good. That's why I have the love of my life, the incredible off-screen Kim noted cynic, to help me keep, to help keep me in balance. You'll often hear her chime in, swear, and throw things at me. So agree with me or disagree with me. Sit back and enjoy POSTOS, and as usual, decide for yourselves. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Monsters Incorporated. Listener discretion is advised. Monsters Incorporated was directed by Pete Docter, who also directed Up, Inside Out, and the upcoming movie Soul, David Silverman, who also directed the Simpsons movie, and Lee Unkirk, who uh, also directed Finding Nemo, Toy Story 3, and Coco. It was uh, written by Pete Docter, who also wrote on Toy Story, Toy Story 2, Wally, and Soul. Uh, Jill Colton, who wrote Abom- also wrote Abominable, and Open Season, and Jeff Pigeon, who wrote Mike's New Car and Your Friend the Rat. That's our two Pixar shorts. Uh, Ralph Eggleston, who also wrote For the Birds, and Andrew Stanton, who also wrote WALL-E, Finding Nemo, and Finding Dory. Also, Daniel Gerson, who also wrote Big Hero 6, both Prep and Landing uh, uh, specials and Monsters University. The composer was Randy Newman, who also wrote toy, the Toy Story ser- music for the Toy Story series, the Cars series, and the music for The Princess and the Frog. Hmm. You're not going to make any comment about The Princess and the Frog this time? No. no See, I was going to give you all that time. <laughs> he has issues. Okay, moving on. I have issues with the ending of the film. True. Getting into the cast, we've got John Goodman as James P. Sullivan. He was Howard in 10 Cloverfield Lane, Dan Connor in Roseanne and the, the Connors television series, Pacha in The Emperor's New Groove, and Big Dan Teague as uh, the Bible salesman in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Ah. Uh, oh, and by the way, James, if you have anything to add to any of these, if I miss something, go right ahead and interject. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Uh, Billy Crystal plays Mike Wazowski. He was uh, Mitch Robbins in City Slickers and Harry Burns in When Harry Met Sally. Uh, Mary Gibbs played... Hold on. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You missed one of the most famous roles he's ever done. Okay, That's almost a crying shame. Princess Bride. Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal, yes, he is (laughs) in The Princess Bride. I am an idiot. (laughs) It's inconceivable I missed that. He is uh, Max. Yes. The the Miracle Man. Yeah. Miracle Max. Oh, my word. I am an idiot. (laughs) Okay. See, I remembered that for somebody else later on. I don't know why I missed it here. 
Okay, moving on. Uh, Mary Gibbs plays Boo, and pretty much this is the only thing she's ever done other than doing additional voices in the movie Inside Out. Really? Yeah. So apparently she didn't want to get into acting after being chased by a microphone, as that's how they recorded all her yeah, dialogue. That's right. Movie. Yes. Uh, Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Steve. Let me start that over again. Steve Buscemi plays Randall. He was Mr. Pink in Reservoir Dogs. And in Hotel Transylvania series, he played Wayne, the Wolfman. Mm -hmm. James Coburn played uh, Mr. Waternoose. He was a Brit in the Magnificent Seven, the 1960s version, and was the Sedgwick manufacturer. You can't see my air quotes on the audio version. My apologies. In The Great Escape. Jennifer Tilly played Celia. She played Tiffany in the Chucky franchise and Bonnie Swanson in Family Guy. Bob Peterson played Roz. He was Doug in Up and Mr. Ray in Finding Nemo. Oh. Doug, if you remember, was the dog. Yeah. Who, oh, I think squirrel! squirrels. Mm -hmm. I was waiting for you to get that. <laughs> Uh, the Yeti, a.k.a. the Abominable Snowman, was played by John Ratzenberger. He, of course, played Cliff Clavin on Cheers mm -hmm. and Ham in Toy Story and pretty much at least one speaking role in every Pixar movie ever made. Mm -hmm. Frank Oz played Fungus. That was uh, uh, Randall's little flunky. The three-odd guy. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, of course, was Miss Piggy and Fozzie Bear in The Muppets and Yoda in Star Wars. Good. I did not realize that was Frank Oz so I was going through the IMDb also. list. Oh, okay. I what, never James? knew he was in this until I watched it, and I was like, wait a second, I know who that is. Yeah. Uh, also, he's in, America, he's in An American Werewolf in London, which I just watched recently. Hmm. And also, he's in Knives Out. Yes, he is in Knives Out. Which is a phenomenal <laughs> film. You're welcome for me introducing it to yes, you. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, Daniel Gerson plays both Needleman and Smitty. He also played the desk sergeant in Big Hero 6. Steve Suskind played the floor manager. He played J.J. Eureka Vados in the Saturday morning cartoon version of The Tick. And apparently someone named Pitchman in Star Trek V The Final Frontier. Hmm. I.e. the bad one. Mm -hmm. Bonnie Hunt plays Flint. Uh, she was also Sarah Whittle in Does Jumanji. Does God meet with a starship? Yes. We'll, <laughs> that will come up on the Movie of the Week podcast at some point. Yes. Uh, sorry. Uh, Bonnie Hunt was Flint. She was Sarah Whittle in Jumanji and Jan Edgecombe in The Green Mile. Uh, Jeff Pigeon plays Bile. He is the all the aliens in Toy Story franchise. Hmm. Samuel Lord Black played George Sanderson. And that is actually a cameo for one of the programmers at Pixar. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I thought he did a pretty good job in this as George. Uh, Bob Bergen plays yeah. Schmidt, who he also played uh, Masaru in the streamlined dub of Akira. The eager young space cadet in the Cartoon Network Duck Dodger series, and also No Face and the Frog in Spirited Away. Oh, okay. And of course, we can't go into any of these if we without 
get mentioning a couple of Kingdom Hearts connections. Of course. Bill Farmer plays a photographer in Monsters Incorporated. He is, of course, the voice of Goofy for the past 20-some-odd years, Uh which means he played Goofy in Kingdom Hearts (laughs) all 11 games now. (laughs) Wallace Shawn played uh, Rex in the outtakes of Monsters Incorporated and, of course, was Rex in Toy Story and played Rex in Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, I'm assuming archive audio audio of Mary Gibbs as Boo was used during all in Kingdom Hearts three as well. Uh, John Ratzenberger played Ham in Kingdom Hearts three. Brett Booker was the uh, trailer mom in Kingdom Hearts three. Jeff Pigeon was the aliens in Kingdom Hearts three, and Ricky Nivera, who is in the art department for Monsters Incorporated, was given a special thanks in the credits of Kingdom Hearts three. Interesting. And if you're curious why I keep saying Kingdom Hearts 3, it's because Kingdom Hearts 3 was the one that had both Toy Story and Monsters Incorporated as levels. Right. That's why that kept coming up. So that brings me to the end of my cast list. What do we have in info and stuff? All right. All right. So info and stuff. So if you're interested in where you can watch this movie uh, streaming, uh, if you have a subscription to Disney Plus, you can watch it there. Um, and it is available in 4K with HDR out there too. Yes, I couldn't get it to come on, but it is available. Strange. I think it was my uh, my bandwidth. Ah, that could be a factor. Mm-hmm. All right, so you can also um, purchase or rent it, preferably rent, preferably rent or buy. Um, you can uh, rent it at Amazon Prime Video for two ninety nine and YouTube for three ninety nine. On IMDW, uh, IMDW, <laughs> IMD, I, IMDB, it's an eight, eight out of ten, good score. On Rotten Tomatoes, that is sixty-eight percent and a ninety percent score for its audience score. That's really good. All right, so production, Walt Disney Pictures, Pixar Animated Studios. Distribution was by Bonavista Pictures Distribution. I probably butchered how to say that. Distribution. Distribution. Thank you. Release date was on October 28, 2001. Where do you think it actually first premiered? Walt Disney World. Nope. (laughs) Walt Disney. Walt Disneyland. Disneyland. Nope. (laughs) Cannes Film Festival. (laughs) Nope. I don't know. I'm just saying places now. So so what is it? England. Europe. Japan. Hold on. (laughs) El Capitan, El Capitan Theater. The El Capitan Theater in L.A. Yeah, in L.A. Okay. All right. All right. So I think it, that's L.A. Yeah, it's L.A. All right. So it debuted in the U.S. on November 2nd, 2001. All right. It had an estimated budget of $150 million. Mm-hmm. Its opening weekend was $62.5 million. A little low. Mm. That's for average. All right, so it's just e- sad because it's actually a good movie. Yeah, it's a really good movie. So it's U.S. gross, kind of made up for that. All right, so it made two hundred and twenty-nine point nine million dollars, and that's unclude. That's only domestic. So its worldwide gross was five hundred seventy-eight point nine million dollars. This month, this movie made cheddar. <laughs> 
and the good kind of cheddar. Not that sneaky stuff. Okay. All right. So going to home video. Uh, Monster Inc. was released on VHS and DVD in September 2002, back when VHS was still a thing. At the very, it was leaving, I believe. Yeah, the very, it was the very, the end of the life cycle for the VHS. All right, so uh, I still remember my VHS copy. Hmm. I still have some VHSs lying around of different things. Yeah, I have two VHSs <laughs> that I bought personally just because I was like, you know what? Why not? In the other room, I have a copy of Star Trek Insurrection on VHS. I don't have the case anymore. I, I saw a copy. VHS. I saw a copy of Return of the King on VHS the other day, and it was a really weird experience. Yeah, because I don't think of that one being on being <laughs> of that era. So is it, it had to have been three VHSs? That's the only way. Yeah, you three or four, the, even the theatrical version on on uh, on VHS. I would assume. Hmm. Because it what barely fits two DVDs, the even the theatrical version. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, hmm. My I first, don't remember. Yeah, my first date actually, we watched uh, Pearl Harbor on VHS. I know that was two. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely two. Anyway, all right. So, uh, it came to let me find where it was. Uh, it was released on Blu-ray, November tenth, two thousand nine, and again on Blu-ray three D, February nineteenth. 2013, uh, it was again released on 4, 4K Blu-ray on March 3rd, 2020. And also we have its sequel, Mon uh, Monsters University. Monsters University, and we'll be getting a, uh, a um, Disney Plus exclusive. Mm -hmm. What is that called again? Monsters at Work. Monsters at Work. That's actually going to be pretty funny, I think. Okay. So I think we are getting return of Billy Crystal and uh, John Goodman. I yeah. did see is returning. I don't remember if Billy Crystal is, but I would assume he is too. Yeah, you would think. I was. I looked through that very quickly when I was doing that because I didn't. I didn't want to include the obvious stuff. Yeah, but anyway. All right. So that is all I have for info and stuff. All right. Getting into the summary. The city of Monstropolis and the monster world is powered by energy from the screams of human children. At the Monsters Incorporated factory, skilled monsters employed as scarers venture into the human world to scare children and harvest their screams Though doors, through doors that activate portals to children's bedroom closets. It is considered dangerous work as human children are believed to be toxic. Energy production is falling because children are becoming less easily scared, probably thanks to the internet. And Henry J. Waternoose III, the company's CEO, is determined to find a solution to the problem. James P. Sully Sullivan and his best friend Michael Mike Wazowski are the organization's top employees, but their chief rival, Randall Boggs, is close behind. One evening after work, Sully discovers that someone has left a door activated on the scare floor. He opens it, and a small girl has entered the factory. After several failed attempts by Sully to put her back, Randall sends the door back into the factory's door vault, and Sully conceals, and conceals her and takes her out of the factory. He inadvertently interrupts Mike's date with, the recept with his receptionist girlfriend, Celia May, at the Japanese sushi restaurant called Harryhausen's, and chaos erupts when the child is discovered. Sully and Mike manage to escape with the child before the child detective agency, the CDA, is called by the sushi sh chef and quarantines the restaurant. They soon discover that sh she is not toxic after all. 
Sully grows attached to her and calls her Boo, while Mike is just anxious to be rid of her. The duo smuggle her back into the factory, disguised as a baby monster, and attempts to send her home. Randall discovers Boo and tries to kidnap her with help from his long-suffering assistant, Jeff Fungus, but mistakenly kidnaps Mike instead. He straps Mike to a large machine called the Stream Extractor, which he intends to use to revolutionize the scaring industry and solve the monster world's energy problems by forcefully extracting screams from kidnapped human children. Before Randall can use the machine on Mike, Sully intervenes and takes Mike and Boo to the simulator where scare recruits do their training. But Waternoose was expecting Sully to give the recruits a demonstration and forces him to roar, which scares Boo. Mike tells Waternoose about Randall's plan, but Waternoose, who is secretly in league with Randall, exiles Mike and Sully to the Himalayas instead. The two meet the abominable snowman, who tells them about a nearby village, which Sully realizes he can use to return to the factory. Sully, who by this time has realized the true effects of scaring on children, prepares to return, but Mike refuses to go with him, caring more about their dream of breaking the all-time scare record and feeling betrayed when he decides it no longer matters. Meanwhile, Randall and Waternoose are preparing to use the stream extractor on Boo, but Sully suddenly arrives and saves her, destroying the machine in the process. Randall and Sully battle, and after Mike returns and helps Sully overpower Randall, the two reconcile, taking Boo and flee. Randall pursues them to the door vault, and a wild chase ensues among the millions of doors as they move in and out of the storage vault on rails to the factory floor. Boo's laughter causes all the doors to activate at once, allowing the monsters to freely pass in and out of the human world. Randall attempts to kill Sully, but Boo overcomes her fear of Randall and attacks him, enabling Sully to catch him. Sully and Mike then trap Randall in the human world, where two residents of a trailer park mistake him for an alligator and beat him with a shovel. Waternoose brings Boo's door back to the CDA. Mike distracts the CDA while Sully and Boo take her door to the simulator. Waternoose reveals his plan, but it's revealed that Mike secretly recorded his confession and played it to the CDA, who arrests Waternoose. As he is being dragged away, he furiously blames them for destroying the company and worsening the energy crisis. Sully and Mike meet the leader of the CDA, who is revealed to be Roz, who was working undercover. Roz thanks them for their help and allows Sully to return Boo home, but she has Boo's door demolished to prevent any monsters from making further contact with her. With the factory temporarily shut down, Sully is named the new CEO of Monsters Incorporated. Under his leadership, the energy crisis is solved by harvesting children's laughter instead of screams, as laughter has been found to be ten times more potent. Mike takes Sully aside, revealing he has rebuilt Boo's door. It needs fun, one final piece, which Sully took as a memento, in order to work. Sully puts the door chip into place, enters, and joyfully reunites with Boo. So, James, since you are a guest, you get to go first. What is your first like of Monsters Incorporated? So my first like is the chemistry between Mike and Sully. Uh, I think in terms of, like, buddy relationships, they are often overlooked. Uh, understandably so, because at, we've got four at this point. But you think friends in Pixar, you think Buzz and Woody, you know? like. Mm -hmm. First uh, Tim Allen and Tom Hanks are iconic, and we all know their voices immediately. Their dynamic is is iconic. It's it's fantastic. But I I genuinely think that Billy Crystal and John Goodman completely match uh, those other two characters in every aspect. Uh, I buy them as best friends. I love 
I love their banter. I love, like, I love the respect they have for each other, but the the believability in the friendship, you know, the way they poke each other, it's all like it just you feel the history there. And I we actually covered Monsters University back whenever we were underrated before we went to uh, the the podcast underrated before we went to franchise fatigue. So I really like Monsters University, but the one thing I didn't like about it is the continuity issue because I like the applied like best friends since childhood aspect of of the like they they grew up this unlikely duo of this, this enormous monster and a smaller eye but like it, you you imagine them just i think mike says since the third or fourth grade you know so the just their their dynamic the the drama they have you know as it as it goes on the you you actually feel the betrayal like you understand mike's position it's just it's it's incredible i and, and obviously just to talk about the voices themselves there you'd be hard pressed to find like actors with more immediately recognizable voices than these two guys. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, and, and like both of their comedic timing, even before this movie and since like they, they're incredible comedic actors as well. And they bring, they bring everything here. It's, it's a genuinely hilarious movie. Uh, it feels improv. I don't know. It's everything about these characters. I think is is absolutely top tier. Alrighty, good deal. So, Jacob, what's your first like? My first like would actually be the story itself. The, the story, but like James made a really good point of uh, uh, Sully and Mike's, you know, buddy relationship and how that kind of just you know is infused throughout the story itself. The, the fact to be like you have the uh, the factory, you have uh, Boo herself, uh, you have like all the characters and all the, the, the story itself, sorry if I'm rambling, but the story itself is very compelling. The, the fact you have a, a floundering company and you have an owner who is going to do anything he can in order to make sure that his family legacy continues at any cost. And it's just as a story be like the story is very well driven. You're like, there's really, I don't really feel there's any hiccups in the story itself, but it has so just a nice flow and dynamic to it that just is very appealing. It's very, it hits you on every front be like, you get the, the emotional highs to the um, the the you know the emotional depths emotional depths of emotion and uh, sorrow and you uh, like dread dread in so many cases where uh, Boo is literally going to be tortured by um, our our main antagonist just for scares and that that was frightening in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I would have watched it much. Young, at a, I was nah. I wish I would have watched it had a better, a greater respect for the film rather than be like, oh, it's just kids. I don't care. Um, but overall, the story itself is compelling, emotional, holds on to your, holds on to your heart the enti- for most of the story, most of the, the, the runtime. And it's just a phenomenal film. So, yeah. What is your number one? My number one is the animation. Okay. 
feel like that's almost a cheat, but let me explain. Meh. This is the fourth feature-length animated Pixar movie, with the other ones being, of course, Toy Story, A Bug's Life, and Toy Story 2. At this point, I would say uh, computer animation is... It's not really in its infancy, but it's very much still in its childhood. It is not quite matured. Right. But they take a lot of very tough... They made a lot of very tough choices when it comes to character modeling in this one, mainly being with both Sully and George Sanderson having been covered head to toe in hair and fur. Yes. And at this time, that was very very tough for them to do. You look at most of the hair in uh, both the Toy Story movies, and it's almost like helmet hair to some degree. I mean, it still looks like hair, but it doesn't move. It's like they've they've all sprayed uh, uh, hairspray on, that, on, their, on everyone's hair, including the baby uh, Molly in Toy Story 1. <laughs> the hair just does not move. And you remember what... Uh, what is the dog's name in Toy Story... Oh. Uh, like Butch or something like that. Anyway, yeah. How how much how horrible he looks? Oh yeah, absolutely. Which was one of my the things I did not like about when we reviewed Toy Stories mm -hmm. as one of my dislikes there, I yeah. believe. Because that, Scud, that's his yeah, name. Scud. Scud, poor Scud, because mm -hmm. he looked like he'd been run over and put away wet. <laughs> uh, that was where hair was six years prior to this movie. Oh, yeah. And this is where we are now, and this was something they they had no way... It must have been so hard for them to actually get the hair on Sully to work as good as it does. Oh, absolutely. Because it could should be flying... From what I remember of watching the animation tests on this, his in the pre-production, his hair was just going everywhere. Oh, yeah. It just did not flow away, because... Uh, that takes a lot of processing power on the computer side in order to make all those hairs flow like they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. It's the same reason why fire and water and particle effects are so hard for computers to do is because there's so many calculations for so many, you know, small minuscule things. And hair is all, is just a little bit easier simply because they're all, all the hairs are all the particles are at least connected. Mm -hmm. But not only is the hair and the fur amazing, for 2001 in this movie. Oh, yeah. The fact that almost no character is bipedal. And there's a lot of bipedal characters. Yeah. But there's also the fact that you've got Mike, who's just an eyeball with arms and legs. Pretty much. That had never, something like that had not really been done in in computer animation. Yeah, the us. amount of got, detail on Mike's uh, eye itself. You got Celia, who has, who is a, uh, a Gorn. That is not what she is. <laughs> A Gorgon who's got, you know, the snakes for hair. Mm -hmm. And the snakes move, you know, not realistically, mind you, but they're very believable. Yeah. They're very uh, active. Know, cartoony, but they're very active and they look good. There's no reason that should have worked as well as it did. Mm -hmm. All the background aliens, there is not one, there's like very few uh, aliens. Did I say aliens? You said aliens. All the background monsters, uh, there's very few background monsters where the model is repeated. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways to do this. Because you look back at Toy Story, every one of those human children were copies of Andy with different hair. 
that is not the case here. This is, well, except for Sid. Sid was a originally designed character, but all the kids yeah. at the party were Andy with different hair. That is not the case here. Every sync, admittedly, once the CDA shows up, you have very easy, repeatable designs that you're not going to notice as yeah. much. But, I mean, the rest of the monsters, like at Harryhausen's, mm -hmm. which, if you don't know, is a call up to Harry. Does it say Harryhausen's? Yeah, it's the Harryhausen's. That's. That's right. Okay, yeah, sorry. That's I, I might be confusing the name next. I was thinking it was Harry Harryhausen, which said the sound right. But that's Ray a send up to, yeah, that's a send up to. Uh, oh shoot, my brain is fried. <laughs> Ray Harryhausen, the guy. Ray Harryhausen, the... yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a send up to Ray. Hang on, mark that. That's a send up to Ray Harryhausen, who did so much of the stop motion. Uh, animation for monsters such as Cla the original Clash of the Titans, yeah, and so many other things. That's what that's a thing too. Uh, and that, hey, I love that send up. But all the monsters in there are original. I think the closest thing to a a not Pixar design monster is the the chef who is literally an octopus. But I will let that go because Ray Harryhausen I did a bunch of octopuses in his time, sure. so I'll let that go. It's the anime, the amount of originality in character designs and the fact that they are willing to use this much fur and the fur looks this good is just phenomenal. And yeah, that's that's what my number one. Uh, James, what is your second like? Uh, so my second like is kind of related, uh, but a bit different, just different enough. Uh, it is aesthetic and I, and I guess I'll combine it like aesthetic and world building so I, th I think the animation is great but even like even looking at the designs before it was animated I think this is just an incredibly well realized world conceptually mm -hmm. like the idea of these monsters clocking in to work you know the, this huge factory uh and everybody like it's just it's it's you know it's a Tuesday at work. Everybody's walking with their briefcases and stuff. The the aesthetic of of the office of of the like the, especially the main scare floor, uh, all of the monster designs. Like you said, they're beautifully animated. But just from a an, a concept standpoint, they're really cool, funny, fun designs as well. Really clever. They make they do a lot of really funny gags with the designs, especially early on. Mm -hmm. uh, and then just with the like the way this builds its world, a lot of this went over my head as a kid. But I, I, the idea that you know, scream is is their power, and you know, this is this is a world that's in a power shortage. You know, like I that never that didn't stick with me as a kid. But rewatching it, it's like okay, so th this is a world that's built off of built off of this. That's why these these certain jobs over here exist. And then just exploring the like Monsters Inc. itself, I think like the the way that the doors come in, they kind of beat Portal to that like instantaneous yeah. kind of yeah, travel. Yeah, that was my first thought, especially when uh, they go through that one into France and they fell down through it, and then had the, <laughs> the gravity changes. Yeah, that was exactly. like okay, that's Portal all over. Yeah, and like that's such a cool. I mean, just the the idea. Like all of the different doors coming in, being put into their little like their their clamps, seeing the light light up, like and cool visual storytelling. The red light, you know, it's working. They use that in a lot of cool, clever ways. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and yeah, like that instantaneous travel there, the during the climax, whenever you've got all the different doors sliding around, it's just these are so many cool, really inventive ideas, and they all look really cool just from a design point of view. Everything is so cleverly designed and put together and realized. Uh, so yeah, just the the aesthetic, the way things look the believability of the world, the way it builds this world, it's its done with such an incredible attention to detail. Uh, and I, I think for me, it's still, of all of the different worlds that Pixar has built, I think this is my favorite of their original ideas. You know, they've got, like, Inside Out is really cool and clever, and, mm -hmm. like, obviously Toy Story is amazing and it's such a cool idea but but this one the the idea that the monster in your closet is just you know gary on wednesday trying trying to feed his face like it's it's such a cool idea so so yeah aesthetic and world building i'll, I'll combine those two for my for my second point all righty jacob your second like my second like let me get to my notes. Okay. So mine is going to tie back into Drew's first is the hair, that long, beautiful hair on Sully's body. <laughs> Man, it's like how, like you said, be like for animation in 2001, the, the fact of how his hair flows and it mm -hmm. has this realistic texture to it. Uh, now, Grant, it's not perfect. It's not perfect, no. but it's so believable. Be like, if I was a kid in 2001 watching this in the theater, it's like, this would be phenomenal. And to, even not to that the, I would have recognized it as a kid that it was phenomenal because it's done so well. Yeah. You don't even notice it. No, you don't. I, mean, I, I agree with you on that. Wow. Just, um, the, the animation in this film is done incredibly well. Uh, I do have a little nitpicks here and there. I'll get that in my dislike mm -hmm. uh, when we get there. But just the almost the level of believability in so many of the character designs when it comes to hair um, is just spot on in so many ways. The texture, weight... Uh, the way the wind blow, uh, like when Su when uh Sully, uh, yeah, when Sully's going uh, going down the uh, going down to the village, and like you get all that effect, be like it's mm -hmm. it's flowing back, I be mean, like it's it's got the realistic tech, it's got the realistic texture that is just so incredibly well done, and uh, yeah, hair. That's my number two hair. All right, my number two, I. Here's the thing. I remembered this scene from all previous viewings, but it did not occur to me that what this scene actually was until this viewing. Because in many ways, what we are kind of sort of seeing throughout the entire movie is the same type of send-up you, you can see in old Tom and Jerry cartoons when, for some reason, Tom would be in charge of making sure a baby didn't get hurt, and somehow the baby walks out into the middle of a construction site yeah. or factory. Uh, 
kind of happens here. Yeah, it does. Where my favorite scene is a send up to the classic Tom being horrified at the death of a baby that's not actually getting killed, <laughs> and during the trash compactor scene. Oh yeah, because I swear I have seen those facial features on Tom before that mm. Sully had in this, and it is so perfect. And of course, it ends with him being brokenhearted that Boo is dead, as far as he knows. Yeah. And he's making the same type of sounds Tom makes in those <laughs> cartoons. And I remember thinking, I did not notice that until this time. Maybe it's just because I've gone back and watched some Tom and Jerry recently, which I haven't brought up on the podcast because I've just watched it here and there. But it was just that amount, the fact that it transfers into that little bit of slapstick, mm -hmm. classic slapstick with every single bit of that trash compactor just getting worse and worse. <laughs> Pounding and crushing, and the thing is, you we are already we already know Boo is safe. Yeah, we've already seen her hanging out with the kindergarten class that is inexplicably touring the factory for no apparent reason. <laughs> we know she's fine. I say kindergarten. I think it's like no. preschool. It's, it's not for no reason. It's it's bring your obscure relative to work day. True, but <laughs> I, I don't think half the factory knew that prior to Sully getting there. Yeah. And she just happened to blend in with a, a kids group. Yeah, and so she happens to blend in. But we already know she's fine, but we're watching Sully having this overdramatic re reaction to every single little bit of this machine that he can see through this plexiglass window, which would never be in a factory setting for one of these things, I have to add. <laughs> Working in a factory, I kind of know this. Uh, it's just... It's all there for this great, fun, I say fun, it, you can see the horror on his face and knowing that she's safe, it's kind of fun to go, oh man, you don't know what's actually going on, Sully. <laughs> Poor Sully. <laughs> it's just such a fun scene and a great callback to classic uh, Hanna-Barbera animation. That Agreed. I, I just I just loved it. Agreed. So yeah, that brings us to the end of our likes, unless anybody has something more they wish to add real quick. Well, I would like to add one thing. Okay. Uh, I did mention in the very beginning, I watched Baby Driver, mm -hmm. and there is a Monsters, Inc. references. Oh, yes. Yeah, throughout this film, actually. So I let forgot me... forgot about that, but yes, yes, there is. All right, so there is quite a few funny nods throughout this film of um, Monsters, Inc., it is where uh, our main character, Baby, it's not his real name, but it's like a, it's a code, code name. name. It's a code name he uses, Baby. And so he quotes, he quotes Monsters, Inc. to Doc, played by Kevin Spacey, in an effort to calm the kingpin, calm the kingpin down. He quotes, you and I are a team, Baby says. Nothing is more important than our friendship. That line works on Doc earlier in the film and has the opposite effect in the tender third act. So just just a little. Uh, when I watched the film, I was like, "Wait, that's oh, that, that, how like, that timed out." How that timed out, and like even the character of Doc could be like, "It's like don't pull that monsters ain't blank on me." <laughs> Doesn't work. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, it's like yes, that's Providence." <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just I wanted to throw that out there because it just it was really interesting watching that the other day. Alrighty. Uh anybody else got anything before we jump into dislikes? Uh last thing I want to mention is, and I've already talked about it before, especially my mm -hmm. opening uh just synopsis of my own feelings on it. This movie is incredibly funny. 
Like it's mm-hmm. a Agreed. very smartly written movie. It's I, I don't know. I, I find this this movie works as a comedy more than ninety five percent of comedies released today. It's it's so dialogue driven, and all of the lines are funny. But it's also it's also kind of equally slapstick driven. And as somebody who also really likes slapstick, like Three Stooges and Chaplin and stuff like that, like it's mm-hmm. just. And, I mean, and like you said, Tom and Jerry, like all, all it harkens back to all of those old school kind of whenever like the whole the situation and the the physicality of the situation is the joke. There's a lot of that here. And it, mm-hmm. it's all just really, really well done. Very, mm-hmm. very funny movie, not just as a kid's movie, but like I as a 25 year old, I'm watching this and laughing. All right. Good deal. So then let's jump into our dislikes. James. If you can think of anything you don't like about this movie, now is your time to get it off your chest. Pass. <laughs> wow. I had a feeling. <laughs> yeah. You really don't have any critique at all? I I, I don't know. I don't... If it's even the tiniest to, thing. Here's the it thing. Can be I, nitpicks. That's the thing. I, I'm thinking about nitpicks. I, I, I don't think... I'm not going to sit here and call it the greatest movie of all time, but... <laughs> Sitting down and thinking about it, I, I like I would genuinely just for the sake of discussion, I would like to bring something here. And I knew that this question was going to be asked before I watched the movie, so it's not even like that wasn't on my mind. But I, I don't know of <laughs> anything to bring. Like, there's nothing that I I didn't actually like, even even to a nitpick level at all. Like this start to finish, this movie just works for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have anything then, Jacob? Okay. Mine would be some of the animation does not hold up to today. Like, yeah, obviously it was it was made 19 years ago. So mm-hmm. be like some of the animation is not going to age so well. And what I'm referring to is the CDC. CDA? Yeah, CDA. Thank you. CDA. And their uniforms. The the fact to be like they're they're wearing plastic protective uniforms to make sure they're not contaminated by the children. Mm-hmm. But every time I see their animation, it looks like it's just, it looks like it's wet plastic. It kind of is. Yeah. I, mean, I understand. It's, it's just a look. Although I always thought it was like a rubber suit. Yeah, it is. In a way it is a rubber suit, but at the same time, it looks like it's, they walk through a shower. The, like before every scene and like, just, they just look wet. And so, okay. Yeah, granted, it's a nitpick. It's a very big, little small nitpick about it. So, yeah, that's about my only nitpick or dislike about this film. So, yeah, I had a hard time coming up with dislikes, too. I'd like to point out that in the history of the Cellcast, there's only been one other movie we had this hard a time with, with coming up with dislikes, and that was My Neighbor Totoro. Yeah. Oh, yes. (laughs) But Mm. I have one very very small nitpick and i would like to say that what they did i actually do like the joke it's just knowing that it was this other thing was possible and they couldn't get it licensed kind of it's it's something i'd like to see the other version and i'd probably just want to edit it together just to see what it looks like myself but the fact that ted is obviously supposed to be godzilla (laughs) and they couldn't license the godzilla roar from toho 
So they put the chicken cluck in when they said that. Here's the thing. I love the joke because the juxtaposition <laughs> of the chicken cluck when you're expecting this giant roar is funny. It is. But there's still a part of me that wishes, as a Godzilla fan, as a Tokusatsu fan, as someone who grew up watching Power Rangers, I am expecting, I want to hear the big giant roar that's going to shake the city, and we don't get to hear that, even though I don't think that would have changed anything. It's a part of me that wishes it was there. Now, granted, I'd like to know where God, this Godzilla actually works, because I don't <laughs> think he works at Monsters Incorporated, because there's no possible way he could be a scarer. What door in Japan, I assume he's going to work in Japan, is he going to go through that's big enough for him to fit through and not destroy the, the, uh, the room? No, nah, he, he, just, he just actually goes to Japan. Uh, that's what it is. He, 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 when, when, they, when they're in a real bad scream shortage, he just goes to Japan. They just open up the floodgates to get all the Japanese people <laughs> screams, oh and then they go on. That's got to be what it is. Wow. Hey, but... Well, we get really close with the blooper of uh, at least, Rex. At least with Rex, we do get a roar. But the minute that that part starts and you can see his plastic leg, you know what's about to happen. And it's but it's still funny. It's so good. It's still so hilarious. Yes. So yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed I enjoy the joke that we do get. It's just there's a part of me that wonders what might have been. And the fact that we don't get it in reality, yeah, I'm a little sad, but you know what? It's something I can live with. Mm -hmm. And like I said, this is a stupid little nitpick. So, yeah, and it's the only thing I can come up with. Mm. Yes, the T-Rex shirt was on purpose. Ah, that makes <laughs> sense. I didn't think about that. <laughs> anyway, do we have anything else before we jump into our ratings? Nope. Okay. Anything else, James? Uh, I think I'm good. All right. So we need to jump into our ratings on this. Of course, we use a 10-point scale, allowing for decimals of 0.5. So, James, what do you rate this movie? I mean, it's To me, it's just got to be a 10 for me. Like, I, this is one of my favorite animated films of all time, and I don't really make any sort of differentiation between my favorite animated films and my favorite films. You know, like, there are movies like this can absolutely hold up to my favorite live action. You know, these are, they're all, it's across the board, they're all films. Mm -hmm. So considering this is so high up on one specific genre, it's it's high up for me just of all time. Uh, so yeah, it's this and this and the Toy Story trilogy and Up and Wally -E and Ratatouille are all kind of revolving around like that. Oh, and, and Inside Out are all just mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. Just holding hands, walking circles around that top spot. Uh, that's that that whole group right there is is like it's top tier Pixar, and anything top tier Pixar is also top tier animation in general. Yeah, I mean that is the thing about Pixar is even their weakest stuff is still good. Agreed. Yeah. So hashtag yeah. the good dinosaur is a good movie. Amen, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love that movie, and yeah. I still think it deserved a couple of Academy Awards that year, and I'm still sour that it didn't. Yeah, for for me personally, I didn't. I never watched it before uh, doing for the Cellcast because I got it as just a more mistake from uh, Disney Movie Club, and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch. Well, I had this already someplace. talked it up. Yeah, you had like beyond belief, 
and uh, you're, he's ranting and raving how amazing this movie is. I'm like, oh, okay. So I watch it. I'm like, oh my word, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like incredible film. Because be like my my perspective for the longest time that Pixar was kind of like this, you know, kind of the the step kid from Disney. But it's it's like it's it's almost on it's almost at the I same level. I never considered it's owned by Disney, but yeah. I've never really considered it a part of Disney. If that makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. I when I think of the animated the animation houses, yeah. Pixar is its own thing next to Disney. Yeah, that's just from my perspective. I was unlike, I was unlike now uh, how I feel about Blue Sky, which I'm hoping Disney makes better. Yeah, they're working on it. I hope so. They're working on so, it. So. Now that we know your feelings about the good dinosaur, what are your feelings <laughs> about Monsters Incorporated? What is your rating? Uh, it's, it's a good solid nine. It's a good solid nine. My nine, in my opinion, uh, I'm not gonna say it has um, any flaws whatsoever. It's a perfect. It's not a perfect film. There is such thing as a perfect film. Uh, it has. Close. It's it's stinking close to the perfect film you're gonna get. Uh, it has amazing characters, amazing cast. Uh, amazing story, uh, a story that is just driven. Like uh, you got, it's got heart, it's got soul to it. It has just such a, emotional depths when it comes to the relationships between the characters, uh, Sully and Mike, mm-hmm. uh, Sully and Boo. Um, the uh, the fact the uh, the factory owner will do anything in order to save his company, in which that can almost reflect in real life. But at the same time, it's just got it's got a heart, it's got a soul, it's got something that's just a lot of movies don't have, mm-hmm. and it's just it's a gem of a movie, and yeah, it's a nine. Drew, I am going to split the difference here and go nine point five. Huh. Uh, like you say, it's not. I, I don't know if I would consider it perfect, but like I said, it is pretty dang close. Uh, I hate. I, I am. I hate giving movies perfect scores because I I know there's something, some little thing I must have missed because mm-hmm. very few movies are you know 100 percent perfect, but this is one of the best ones I've seen. It's still one of my favorite Pixar's. Uh, personally, I think I like uh, Onward was good. Now was, was one good. I really enjoyed. And I'm looking forward to when we. Go- uh, go back to re-review. Yes, that one. I love that Inside word. Out was good. I really want to see that one again. I, I think uh, that's the thing. There's a lot of the other ones. It's like I, I know of certain scenes that I really liked, but I don't know if I'd say the whole thing. Monsters University, outside of the continuity error, uh, might be the closest thing to a movie I like on the same level as Monsters Incorporated, uh, with the exception of perhaps The Incredibles. Incredibles is up there too. Anyway, yeah, uh, it's a 9.5. It's a great movie. There's a lot of the way they push the envelope for the animation on this mm-hmm. is uh, by itself enough to give make this movie uh, at a 9.5 because of how well that's done. And the comedy is just spot on. Agreed. So, yeah, I'm going to have to give it a 9.5, which brings us to the end of yet another episode. Yes. So. Come, Jacob. We must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? Same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast! Oh, boy! James, where can they find you at? Uh, You can find me over at The Outer Rim, a Star Wars group. Uh, I am an admin along with some other friends over there. Uh, It is a Facebook group, I should say. 
Uh, so if you enjoy Star Wars, uh, even still, there is a lot of stuff still going on. You know, the, the Skywalker saga may have ended, but we've got Mando season two coming up. We've got the High Republic book initiative. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of Star Wars stuff going on. So if you still love Star Wars and you want to talk about everything that you love about it and just talk about it in a positive light and avoid some of the more constant barrage of debate and anger around the series, feel free to join us over there. Uh, you can also find me over on Letterboxd. I am there as JL Hamry. It's JL H A M R I. Uh, I post reviews there every now and then, and you can just see all of the uh, the many lists that I've I've created since I've been on. Uh, and then lastly, and I feel bad because I actually I haven't been plugging this on my own podcast, but I completely should, and it's more relevant now than ever. Uh, but a mutual friend of ours, uh, Ryan Ashley Wall has a, a YouTube show called The Raw Quiz Show. I was on season one. Oh. Uh, sadly, I did not win, and despite w- deserving yeah, that, the top spot myself. Yeah, I, I'm still not happy that you that, that was ripped from you. That, that just proves that you know don't ever miss an episode when you're, yeah. on, when you're a contestant. It's, it's, yeah, it, it, was a, it, was a rough, it was a rough time for me, for sure. I really had that top spot in my... my site uh but season two is coming up before long uh i shall be returning for season two uh and you are gonna be another contestant there so we're gonna be battling it out so definitely may the best best nerd win i intend to (laughs) i'm I'm going full-fledged i'm i'm committing to the like wrongly wrongly killed return for revenge character i'm probably even gonna buy an eye patch for this thing uh so i i'm excited uh about that and yeah go over i think it's raw quiz show or rqs on youtube you, you, it shouldn't be too hard to find I think it. it i think the channel is the raw quiz show is the name of okay it. yeah so so go over there uh and there's also a facebook group uh yeah he's got a lot of cool things going on there so where can they find you, Jacob? They can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron and Jacob's Daily Art Corner, my personal art Facebook page, on Twitter at Jacob B. Heron, on Instagram at Jacob B. Heron, and on Letterboxd at Jacob Heron. Where can they find you, Drew? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. You can also find my Facebook page at Drew's Photo Bin, where I upload uh, my photography. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at GGeorge759 and Twitter at GGeorge759. Where can they find us, Jacob? You can also visit our website, thecellcast.podbean.com, where you will find every episode we released and links to listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Our RSS feed, if we aren't in your favorite podcast app directory, please share, review, and subscribe to us there and share us with your friends. You will also find a link to our Facebook group, the Double Feature Podcast Community, where we talk about both animated and live action movies. We share this with our other podcasts, which we do with Jacob's brother Jim at uh, the Movie of the Week podcast where we talk about live-action movies. You can also email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please like our page on Facebook. We try to post about upcoming movies. 
If you comment on that movie's post before we record, we'll read your comments in the episode. And remember, every time we say The Cellcast, that is with a single L. L.